0: You are now listening to the Pinch of Salt podcast,
1: where we seek to see students be entertained and sustained with takes on navigating life as a young Christian.
0: So settle in and get ready to vibe with us.
1: Well hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Pinch of Salt. Today we are super excited to have our discipleship pastor on named Lance Beecham. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Um, And as always we have Harrison with us. Um, But Lance, would you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself um, and kind of maybe just a brief summary of what your position at City Church looks like?
2: Yeah, so I've been married to Tiffany since 2002. Uh, We have two girls, ages 10 and six, Lila and Lacey, and uh, did campus ministry for 14 years through Baptist Collegiate Ministry, uh, a few different locations, one of those being FSU, which is what brought us to Tallahassee originally. Go and, um Yeah, go Knowles! And um, didn't even have to change my wardrobe. I've been an FSU <laughs> fan my whole life, so. Um, and uh, anyway, came on staff at City Church, january of 2022 as discipleship pastor and uh, this has been our church that we've attended since 2011 so i feel like we've been a part of the church family for a long time and um you know my position involves anything related to uh discipleship aspects of the church like uh obviously zach runs groups um craig runs missions and care uh, who are all part of the discipleship team but um, we do anything from men's and women's ministry to equip classes, deacon ministry, to teaching our residents' Southeastern uh, seminary courses. So, mm-hmm. you anyway, know, that's just a little, little bit.
1: Yeah, awesome. Well, we are really excited to have you on, and we're going to talk about some interesting stuff today. Harrison, what are we going to talk about today?
0: Yeah, we're going to talk about some real juicy material right here today. Um, today, we're going to talk Could about that. heaven and hell. <laughs> Um, very interesting things, um, that I think a lot of people care about, um, maybe not think about so much, but care about. Um, so we're excited to get into that, but first, Lance, yeah, so we have a fun question for you. Okay. Kelly, would you like to ask the question?
1: So if you could have, okay, so three things, restaurant, fast food, and grocery store, you could only go to three, like one of each for the rest of your life. Okay. So one fast food restaurant, one like actual restaurant and then a grocery store for the rest of your life, what would they be?
2: Hmm. Okay. So fast food would probably be, gosh, that's a tough one. I would say, I guess Chick-fil-A, it's going to sound like, you know, I'm just like everybody else. <laughs> it was out of that. It was out of that or what a burger. but there's a lot yeah. of options there, you know, so, yeah. um, within Chick-fil-A, uh, restaurant, I would say, um, Right now, it would probably be Ted's Montana Grill. Oh, nice. Um, and then grocery store, it would be Publix because Bogo, Fresher, that kind of thing. So, nice. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Awesome. You, cool. you had a very definitive, this is what I want. Yeah. You okay. did not take time at all. Yeah. It took don't, me don't, a minute. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. So, today, Lance, um, we're going to talk about, like I said, heaven and hell. And we want to talk about it in the context of understanding that heaven and hell are real places that real people go to and i think that's the context we need to keep it in and not too much in like theorizing about revelation and its meaning and what is the dragon and the, the pregnant woman we're not doing that. Yeah, exactly okay no not too much eschatology but we do want to talk about these things because we think that it's important to, to for at least our viewers to understand um what the Bible has to say about these two places in eternity, and why you want to go to one and not the
1: other. Yeah, and I think <laughs> a good way for us to maybe keep this as like concise and simple as possible is to maybe take it through the lens of the gospel, mm. um, and walking through it that way. So, like, if we like to start, let's talk about like before creation, like it was God dwelling somewhere. What does that mean? You know, if we start at the very beginning of the gospel, like before creation like what are we looking at in terms of heaven and hell
0: so we see um in the beginning of the bible in genesis god is saying we're gonna do this we're gonna make this creation and he says let us make man in our image and there's a lot of us language in there so lance what's going on up there tell (laughs) us about
2: that Well, well there's a few ways to look at that but i think the the uh, the clearest way to me is the let us is, is really referencing the, the doctrine of the Trinity that God is in three persons. And, um, you know, I think as far as what was b- before the creation of the heavens and the earth, you know, what, what did that look like? I mean, we have no clue. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think that wherever God existed was enough for him. And we, when we look at the creation of the heavens and the earth, sometimes heaven is the abode of God. Sometimes it's referring to the starry sky. And so I think in that context, it's probably more accurate to talk about the starry sky as the heavens and the earth. And so wherever God exists, um, I guess we would describe that as heaven um, because really what heaven is all about is being in the presence of God.
0: Yeah, so for clarity in this episode, we're going to call heaven, referring to it as heaven from now on is God's dwelling place, God's abode. So when we say heaven, we don't mean like just the sky, like Lance like just said, but we're talking about God's dwelling place and his abode. That's We think that's important to be clear. Um, so God existed somewhere, probably in heaven, yes. in some place, um, and... Yeah, what filter in my mind should I be thinking about heaven? Like, in what way should I think about heaven as a place?
2: Yeah, so because we don't have a whole lot of detail about heaven, and you know, I don't know if we're going to take this chronologically or not, but I will, I'll at least, I'm going to throw that off sure, <laughs> by, sure. by giving some description that we find from the book of Revelation. And um, it describes it as having streets of gold and like a sea of glass or crystal or something like that. And people interpret that different ways. I don't want to get deep into the interpretation of Revelation, but I would say that uh when John was given this vision in the book of Revelation, God through Jesus who who was giving him this vision is trying to give him something that he can comprehend. And so if he really was able to see what heaven really is like he probably would not be able to describe it and so i think heaven was revealed to him in the most precious terms that he knew uh, in that cultural time period and so do i think there's literally streets of gold and crystal sea not sure about that um, but i think what we've got to recognize about heaven is it is a place described in revelation as no more tears no more pain no more sickness no more death no more sin that being in the presence of God as well. And so, I mean, that's what heaven is.
0: So so what you're saying is like John was describing it as those material things that we recognize because that's just the greatest things that you yeah. could probably comprehend. Yeah, yeah. So heaven is like greater than we can even imagine.
2: Exactly. I think it's kind of like when Jesus talks about your faith needs to be the size of a mustard seed. Mm-hmm. When he was talking to people in the first century Palestine, there are seeds that scientists have said well they're smaller than a mustard seed well that's great but like I don't know what they are but like the people in first century Palestine never heard of them so like if yeah. Jesus used that example it would make no sense to them sure so in the same way I think the way he described it was something that they could relate to
1: yeah yeah and I mean I, so going back to dwelling places and if we kind of reconvene back to the path of the gospel right so we talked about like God dwelling somewhere before creation, all these things, like, and if we continue on, we're talking about, okay, animals are created, plants, water, all these things, the skies were separated, and now we have humans, and so, and we're talking about pre-fall now, like, before sin entered the world, Um, and so let's talk about Eden, and and we hear, like, language of, like, God walking with Adam and Eve in the garden of eden like and like so how do we connect heaven with the garden of eden and god's dwelling place like before sin you know yeah. how do we connect those things
2: yeah so i think when it, and i'm again i'm going to like jump all over the place here but uh you know in revelation it talks about a new heaven and new earth and it talks about the kingdom of god coming down to earth and so i think that's kind of a return to what it was like before the fall. So God's presence was with humanity in an Eden-like state. And so since the fall, the earth has been corrupt, you know, corrupted by sin. So this is kind of a restoration of uh, earth and now the kingdom of God, his dwelling place, and a new earth is going to be rejoined and we will be able to actually be in his presence walk with him that kind of thing like they were before sin happened in genesis three
1: yeah it's crazy to think about like the symmetry like just the thoroughness and the symmetry of the bible Mm. in that like like eden yes like eden is the origin and also the foreshadowing of the restoration that jesus will bring like something that like i'm learning in my walk with learning how to read the bible right now is like Every single aspect of the Old Testament points to Jesus. And so it's just so cool to think about the fact that, like, Eden, like, is, it does point to Jesus in its own way. And the oh, fact yeah. that there is, like, we are, we can see, like, what sin did to the, like, the purity of our relationship with God. And yet we also, like, can see a glimpse of, like, God's, like, art like, Christian's future, I guess.
2: Yeah, you, you know, if you look at Genesis, you talk about there's a, a tree of life, there's a garden. When you look at Revelation, there's trees of life, there's a garden. I mean, it's it's like you've returned. Yeah. Uh, the biggest difference is going to be in heaven, in the eternal state, sin will not even be an option anymore. Yeah. Um, so praise God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A,
0: that's awesome. Yeah. So um, Kelly asked us when we were kind of meeting about this earlier and talking to you about this. Like, you know, this is an awesome question. But why is it that we are so easily tempted to add to heaven or to take away from heaven? Like making heaven until kind of what we want. Yeah.
1: Like an example would be like, you know, your grandma's looking down on you and smiling or, yeah. you know, that sort of thing.
2: Yeah. I think because we don't have a good grasp of what heaven's going to be like, we are very concrete thinkers and we like to be able to see and hear things that are tangible and so in our imagination we're trying to figure out what what does that look like and so uh, sadly for many years in literature art things like that it was like we're like little angels floating in clouds playing harps. And it's like, that doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun for eternity. Um, And so there's been ways that people tried to kind of say, well, what about this, what about that? And so, because we've never seen God, we don't know what it's like to be in his presence in the way that we will be in heaven. And so the thing that we can tangibly think about is we know grandma. You know, we know what grandma's voice is like. We know what she looks like. Uh, we even know the smell of her perfume. You know, it's just these, these things that are very concrete to us. If we believe grandma is in heaven, then it's much easier for us to picture ourselves with grandma. And I think that's one of the reasons why we add things like that or, or concentrate on things like that is because it's just easier for us to, to think about.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's good.
1: Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said about just being content with the unknown. Sometimes, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, if we go back to our gospel journey, and 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 you talked about like we we've been we've been alluding to the fall and like the knowledge of sin and the fact that there was an option of sin in the Garden of Eden, and so now, like, I don't know. Here we can cut this too. But are you ready to introduce like hell? Yeah. In the picture. Yeah. Okay, great. So, continuing on in our journey through the gospel. Adam and Eve sin, they sin because there's a serpent that tempts them and tricks them into believing that they will be able to gain the knowledge of good and evil if they eat of a fruit that they're not supposed to eat of. So now, we've, now we're now we entering the conversation of sin and, and hell and the introduction of the serpent. And so um, can you tell us a little bit about the serpent and like what exactly that means and how hell plays into the timeline of the fall and that sort of thing
2: yeah so the serpent we we only read about the serpent in genesis we he's not clearly identified until the book of revelation explicitly as satan but in revelation it does talk about that ancient serpent and describes exactly the account uh, in Genesis three, as being Satan, but you know, you know this going through the Bible, it's very clear that's who it is. That there is this enemy of God who is, uh, you know, who is not as powerful as God and cannot overthrow God. And so, kind of the second, I guess, second best thing that uh, Satan can do is go after the creation that God loves, and God's most uh, favored creation is humanity and um i mean after every day he looks on his creation and says it was good mm-hmm. on the day when humanity was created he says it was very good so we're the only creation created in his image i mean there are lots of things jesus didn't die for angels or dogs or cats mm-hmm. uh, jesus died for humanity and so i mean we what, are his treasure, me, treasure possession. <laughs> um no I'm, I'm getting into that so, <laughs> that's, that's, that's another podcast episode um <laughs> So, um, I'm not really good. <laughs> and so I think that's where, you know, Satan's like, Hey, if I can take down the things that God loves and I can hurt him that way. So gotcha.
0: yeah. interesting. So we are, so then Satan arrives on the spot to, to still kill and destroy. And we are in a place and well, we're in a place for thousands of years of, well, hundreds, anyway, of years of, Separation from God, um, just not in a place at all where there's a dwelling place that can be had between. Then we get to like the Old Testament and like we get to like Leviticus and like stuff like that where we have this tabernacle, this like dwelling place where God is coming down to be with the people, right? And a cool thing that I I know when I was going through just kind of the the first five books like. On the tabernacle and on the the temple and all that type of stuff, there's a lot of, like, symbolism of the Garden of Eden. Like, there's a lot of, like, things that kind of point to it being, like, symbolism of, like, trees and, like, branches and stuff like that and leaves. Um, So, then we have a dwelling place of God coming down in that. And they messed it up a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Tons of (laughs) times they messed that up. Um, And the temple got destroyed and just all this type of stuff over time. So then, the Christmas story comes along.
2: Oh, yeah. Merry Christmas.
0: A rescue mission um, of Jesus coming back and taking back the keys of death. So, tell us about hell. So, is the lake of fire actually like a thing? What's, what's going on there? What's the lake of fire about?
2: Yeah, so it seems like there are at least a couple of stages of what we think of as hell. Because uh, in Revelation, it talks about Satan, uh, his demons which are fallen angels and anybody whose name is not written in the lamb's book of life are going to be cast into the lake of fire but it's not that they are not in torment now uh, before that happens now that's something that's going to happen when christ returns but for now uh, we do know that there is something like that happening because even in jesus story uh, in Luke 16 about Lazarus and the rich man. A lot of people talk about being a parable, but usually when Jesus tells a story just for the sake of a story that we call a parable, he doesn't name names, but he names Lazarus. And so there's a lot of thought that this, you know, could have been like a historical event that he's referring to. Of course, Jesus would know this, we would not, but uh, the rich man who enjoyed everything in his life on earth, Lazarus, who was you know, a beggar, Rich man did not help Lazarus out, and then there there was a great reversal uh, once they died. And so now Lazarus is in some, some place called Abraham's bosom, or paradise. And uh, the rich man is in a place called hell, or Hades. And so what we do see described is there is a great separation between those two places. One can't go from one place to the other. Um, and so we also know that the, the rich man who's in this place called hell is in torment and it's described as a very hot place. He just wants a drink. He just wants Lazarus to touch water with his finger and touch it to his tongue. And so it's a place of suffering even now, even before the second phase of this, which is the lake of fire. And so, uh, and that's more described in Revelation 20. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Gotcha. So, hell is still a place right now of suffering, torment, um, and separation from God kind of sort of
2: Yeah, and so in the same way that uh, when the Bible describes heaven, we have some language that is more concrete to describe it because we probably can't envision it. Hell could be the same way in that uh, they are you know it's a place of separation from god uh, but it's described as flames hot place torment that thing Do, does it mean literal i don't know i mean that's the way it's always described and i will say hell is described a whole lot more than heaven is and so with that many descriptions of fire could it be that that's an aspect of it yeah you know, so. Uh, but what we know is, that it is not a good place. It's a place of suffering. Sure.
1: Yeah. Um, and I have a question. Like, what? Who goes to hell? Yeah. <laughs> <So, laughs> I mean, that's like, no. What, what? Like, talk, I mean, talk about like, not what? not the bush here. Like, who goes warrant, to hell? Like, <laughs> like. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe. Maybe we can get down to the nitty gritty. Like. Okay. Who goes to heaven and who goes to hell?
2: Well, I think those are important questions. If these yeah. are real places, and I. I believe they are, and Jesus believed they are, um, and that's that's more important than whether I believe it or not. Is that Jesus believed that they are real? Mm-hmm. The question should be asked: Who's going to these places, <laughs> and what determines that? And for most people that you would talk to on the street, uh, they would say, "Well, you know, if you're a good enough person, you'll go to heaven. If you're a bad person, you'll go to hell." And usually, when they talk about a bad person they're talking about someone who's murdered people i mean just like the worst of the worst go to hell but it's almost like people that don't if they were just not a good person but not terrible it's almost like they're forgotten about like maybe they just don't exist anymore or whatever but the bible describes that very differently it's no one's good enough to go to heaven um and so you know we don't compare ourselves to other people well i'm better than that person therefore i go they don't First of all, that's a pretty arrogant attitude to have, but Mm -hmm. second of all, it's very unbiblical where uh, it's not based on our standards or the standard of somebody else, it's based on God's standards. And I always tell people, like, you know, there's good news and bad news. You know, the the bad news is that none of us are good enough to meet God's standard of perfection. The good news is that's why God sent Jesus here is because he lived the life that we can never live perfectly. Uh, meeting the standard of God on our behalf, but because we couldn't meet that standard, we are deserving of death because that's the penalty of sin, and Christ died in our place. He took our punishment, and so for those who put their faith in who Jesus is and what he's done, then we do have the hope, and I'm not just a I sure hope Florida State somehow wins their bowl game. (laughs) You know, It's a confident assurance um, that we will be with him, uh, not because of who we are or what we've done, but because of who he is and what he's done on our behalf. For those that do not place their faith in him, they're putting their faith in something else. And those are the people that will not go to heaven, and anybody who does not go to heaven goes to hell. There is no middle ground. Mm
0: I think I think it's it, it's interesting, especially at this point, to talk about the whole Abraham's bosom thing, um, like that holding tank, as you described it before, um, just in the context of like meeting God's standard yeah. and like, how we couldn't do that. So would you want to talk about yeah. that a little bit? So,
2: and this kind of goes to the question of what happened to the people in the Old Testament before Jesus came, died on the cross, rose again, guaranteeing our restoration of our relationship with God? Uh, that allows us to enter into his presence. What happened before all that? And so, you know, that means where do these Old Testament saints go? When I say saint, I mean people who were followers of God, people who were set apart for God. And so I think Paul deals with this quite a bit in um, Romans 4 and also uh, in Galatians 2 and 3 about how... uh, abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness well jesus was not on earth at that that point but abraham believed god and he acted on his belief and so there are several people that you know you can look at hebrews 11 which is kind of the faith hall of fame by faith this person did this by faith and it's all did they believe in god you know they didn't see what was gonna happen but god kind of gave them hints here and there. And so their belief was in what God was doing, not knowing fully that that was gonna be Jesus come to earth. Um, But that faith that they had in God and what God was leading them to do was what allowed them to go to a place called paradise or Abraham's bosom, Uh, not the same, I don't think the same as it is right now, heaven. Um, I think that even though it's not described uh, real clearly in Scripture about this, I think when Jesus died and rose again, somewhere in that time frame, uh, because he was the first one to resurrect, the first one because of his, his sacrificial death, I think that temporary holding tank was emptied out. And so all those Old Testament saints were immediately in the presence of God because of what Jesus did for them. So, yeah, because Paul says be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Yeah. And so there's not a question about that now.
0: And so they were there and couldn't immediately go to heaven, which you explained to me before. They couldn't immediately go to heaven because they didn't meet the standard. No matter how holy and faithful and everything they were, they couldn't meet that standard that God had. But then Jesus came. That's right. He met that standard. Yes. And now we... Are reconciled that's right heaven. that's right yeah that's awesome so Lance any closing statements
2: this is a complicated subject when you think about heaven and hell and i think we can get really kind of carried away with our ideas of hell or ideas of heaven trying to figure out what does that look like what is the nature of it but i think more importantly that we believe that they are real places and real people go there and what we need to be clear about is that, uh, understanding and believing in Jesus as Lord and Savior, and that he you know, lived that perfect life that we couldn't die to death that we deserve and rose again, that's what determines which of those places you go. And so that's not only important for each one of us, that's also important for us to carry the message, to others because if i am truly believing this and i appreciate it then surely i would want to tell others the same great news which we call the gospel yeah
0: before we leave okay i have a question for you what is your go-to beverage at any oh. restaurant you go to you're out at dinner with tiffany and you're like oh how going they get not like a drink but like I'm gonna get a drink, you know what I mean? A soft drink. What's your what's your go to
2: drink? <laughs> oh man, I'm a Coke man. I okay. Coca-Cola has been it. no. I can't I can't serious. do diet. Okay. I just can't. It's like, you know, if I if I have to go diet, I'm just going water. Okay? <laughs> gotcha. So I'm going all out sugar. Now mm. if I could get the sugar cane version yeah. of the Coke mm. more than, you know, the other stuff. I sure. forgot it was like some kinda caramel, whatever it is. I I don't know. It's some kind of process, stuff. It's all (laughs) process. I'm over the taste, not the health, clearly. Yeah, that's covered. There you go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Lance. Thank you so much. All right.
1: Thanks. Cool. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Pinch of Salt.
0: Be sure to follow us on Instagram at CitySaltPod.
1: If you want to know more about navigating life as a Christian, be sure to check out Tuesday nights and Sunday mornings at City Church, Tallahassee.